thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So this morning we uh, carry on with our series. You might be thinking, oh, we're not finished with this yet, Johnny, but it's important. Um, so we've been talking about fasting and uh, we've looked over the last few weeks, we've looked at, uh, the first one was just what's it all about, you know? Fasting or feasting, so it's not just about denying, it's about focus, it's about where our focus is. And then last week we talked about the fact that um, it's preparation with only one expectation. So it's not fasting to get our result. The fast is the expectation is that God will come close because we're focused on him. And as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. So this week we're looking at uh, fasting is moving forwards and setting apart. So fasting moves us forwards and sets us apart, okay? So that's the overall title. And looking back is a really useful thing, isn't it? Yeah? Sometimes. It's a really helpful thing. Hindsight is great when you can look back and see something and learn from things. Today's generation do not understand some of the difficulties we had to put up with. Would you agree? Yeah? Old people like me, would you agree? Yeah? Yeah? Slightly older people, yeah? Yeah? Okay. Young people just don't get it. They don't get the struggles we had. I'm talking really serious things and issues, you know. Um, and some of them they bring back. I can remember getting my first CD player and a CD. They've not always been around, okay? Not always been there. I can remember getting it and I can remember listening to it and going, wow, such clarity. I never thought, oh, great, I'll go back to my vinyl scratchy jumpy records. I never thought that. But actually, people have gone full circle now and go, oh, no, it's better on vinyl. No, it's not. It really isn't. Nobody thought that. But I can remember one disadvantage with vinyl, looking back, was at school, at infant school, I had to dance the sailor's hornpipe, dressed not just on my own, okay? I'm not going to start doing all this, okay? Not just on my own. I was in a group of kids in the same class. And it was such a lovely day. It was for the summer fate. They decided to take it outside. Well, the record melted, and instead of it being a, a sailor's hornpipe, it was a fast, slow, quick, quick, slow type thing because it was like... Because this record had warped in the heat. So that was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? Another problem, cassette tapes. You know, cassette tapes. No one else knows the joy of getting that pencil and going like that for ages and ages and ages and then trying to work out what's recorded on it. And if you put it near a magnet, it wiped it. But it used to get chewed up all the time and you'd be in your car and all of a sudden it'd be going and you'd pull it out and it'd be like it'd be like I don't know probably like giving get, get, having a baby pulled out Chloe I don't know you I've only been there twice or videos videos you know having to set a video player to record something and then there's a power cut or or, or the clock's changed, or you've not set it quite right, or you've recorded the wrong channel. You can't go back on it and go, oh, I'll download that one because I missed it. No, you missed it. It was a bit rubbish in that sense. And taking them back to video shops, you had to rewind them, didn't you? Yeah. I remember when DVDs were introduced, a lady at my school, uh, she used to rewind the DVDs when she'd finished them. 
Yeah, because she was so used to, you can't rewind, well, you can rewind DVDs, but they just go back, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know the problem. But, you know, we often look backwards, and we can look backwards, which is a, a good thing to do, and see where we've changed, how far we've come, but it's also important to look forwards. But, to confuse you even more, sometimes when we look forwards, we end up having to go back somewhere. Not backwards, but we end up having to go back somewhere. Okay, so that's what we're talking about this morning. But one thing I want to encourage us to do is not to dwell on the losses, because we often dwell on the loss. And actually, we need to celebrate the gains, unless you're at Weight Watchers, okay? We dwell on the loss. (laughs) That's where you celebrate the loss and dwell on the gains. Anyway, we want to dwell not on the loss, but we want to celebrate the gains. There's a verse that has been really key to us as a church as we've moved, those of you who've been coming a long time, what verse am I talking about? Well done, Joel. Two, well, we had, I had a whisper on the front. I had a whisper over here. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7 and verse 14. What does it say? Oh, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Okay, Because Francis did exactly what I thought would happen. She quoted it, but she missed out a crucial bit. Missed that crucial bit, and we always do it. She said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, whoa, don't, no, no, no. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. I'm not trying to pick on you, but we all do it. You know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and Francis then missed out the next bit, which is, and turn from their wicked ways. So, you know, we've talked the last few weeks about feasting, not just the fasting, We talked about repentance is to turn from here to here, yeah? So that's what this verse is saying, to turn from there to here. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That verse has been really key. It's kept coming up over and over again. We've written it in places. It used to be on the notice board at Abbey Road. And this verse, I want to say this morning, is really what fasting, and fasting is all about. So when we've read this verse, we've not really linked it, but it is what fasting is all about because it's the feasting. It totally sums it up to turn from there to there, to get rid and clean house, to focus on God, to, to get rid of the distractions and seek his face. Can you see how it fits in? And yet we've never talked about fasting with that verse, but actually that verse sums up exactly what it is. That's exactly what we're called to do, to seek, to pray, to humble ourselves, to say, God, I need you more than anything else. Today's passage that we're going to look at, or two passages, they feature fasting in the New Testament, and they seem to imply that fasting keeps us moving forwards, keeps us discerning what God's all about. But actually, it's also more about being committed and relying on the Holy Spirit. That's what fasting is. It's a commitment, and it's a reliance on commitment and a reliance on. We said a few weeks ago that some people believe that fasting was only for before Pentecost or for when Jesus wasn't present. But today we look at the early church in Acts chapter 13 and 14 who clearly knew what fasting was for and clearly knew the importance of it. And clearly it was something they did regularly in terms of certain issues. So today we look at it and the first passage mentions fasting twice 
and the Holy Spirit twice. So I don't think that's a coincidence. I think there's a fasting twice, Holy Spirit's mentioned twice, because that's what it's all about. It's not the hokey-cokey, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. If you've got your Bible, we're going to read from verses 1 to 5. There's a lot of names in here, and there's a lot of things that you think, what on earth are we reading this for? But hey, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. Now in the church at Antioch, Church at Antioch, importantly, remember that place. There were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, Saul who became Paul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, let's just stop. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. See the link? Worship and fasting hearing God, hearing God. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, they weren't necessarily doing it for any specific reason. It was just something they did. They weren't saying, God, we need this. God, we want you to do this. It was while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. What does set apart mean? Go back a few months. Set apart. Holy, thank you very much. Thanks, Alison. I'm glad you're on the front row this morning. Holy, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, so this time, not worshipped and fasting, fasting and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. It's the first time football's mentioned in the Bible. No, it's not. <laughs> I've got to stop my brain doing that. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. So you can see, here is the church at Antioch. They fasted and worshipped, they fasted and prayed, and they heard God. They discerned what God wanted. They chose leaders as a result of it. They saw leadership. They saw people's gifting as a result of fasting, praying, worshipping, and the Holy Spirit guided them. They're all linked, yeah? Would you agree? But Antioch is a really important thing, especially when we think about looking backwards. The church at Antioch is a very important place. But actually, if you look back, it only came about because Stephen was martyred. Stephen was stoned to death. And so as a result of Stephen being stoned to death in Jerusalem, the Christians or the early church panicked. And they had to scatter because they were scared for their lives. And as a result of that stoning of Stephen, this church at Antioch became a thing. It wouldn't have happened. They may well have just stayed in Jerusalem. But when they looked back at that horrendous thing that happened, Christ's followers were being relentlessly persecuted. They were being threatened with jail. They were being threatened with death. They were being threatened with other things. And so they moved away from Jerusalem. And the church at Antioch that we see here happened. Don't dwell on the loss. We celebrate the gain. We may go through some pretty horrible, horrendous times, but let us not dwell on them too deeply. Let us look at, say, God, actually, what are you bringing from this? God, what can you bring forth? The church at Antioch, looking backwards, who'd have thought, sorry, looking backwards would have brought thoughts of fear, Looking backwards would have thought fear, fear, thoughts of loss. Looking backwards would have been, been terror, loss of friends, loss of homes, loss of lives. But Antioch 
was the first place that people were called Christians. If my people who are called by my name. The church at Antioch was the first place where the word Christian was used. It was a first. It was a church of firsts. It was the first church to welcome believers from all backgrounds. It was the first church that was multicultural in makeup. It was the first church that welcomed the Gentile, the Jew, the Greek from all over the place. It was a church that was radical. It was a church of firsts. It was the first church to send out missionaries intentionally. It was the first church to send people to places to tell them the good news. It was the first church to implement a feeding program and fundraiser for other people in famine. You know, we've been inundated as a church with requests over the last two years to, to try and, and, and try and help people and Walnut Community Trust too. And actually, it started at Antioch. It was a first church. It was the place where these things came from. It was the first church to put together an education program to educate people, to teach people, to help them to learn. Those are just a few of the first that came about and grew as a result of looking forwards, not backwards. They could have dwelt on what happened. The persecution in Jerusalem, that horrendous time, that valley they were going through, that storm that they were experiencing. But actually, fast forwards, and they are fasting, praying, worshipping, and sending people out to tell people the good news. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. I will hear them. Those are just a few of the firsts that came about. And here we see this church totally putting their focus on God because that's what they're doing, worshiping and fasting, fasting and praying, totally focused on God, totally putting everything else aside to the exclusivity of God getting rid of distractions. And what is the outcome of it? They hear God. Would you want to hear God this morning? We said last week, get rid and clean house. Focus on God. Fast, pray, worship. Get rid of the things that distract and focus exclusively. They hear God through the Holy Spirit and it's clearly discernment, leadership of two of the people present. The Holy Spirit helps them to discern the two people they should choose. And I think it's a good match. Barnabas' name means encourager. He was a great encourager. Saul could be a little bit of a spiky character. So probably good that they balanced each other a little bit. But actually, they were faithful. They were set apart. They were made holy. They were commissioned. What do we see after that? More fasting and praying. Let's not just stop when we get a sort of response. More of it. Sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. To do what? To proclaim Jesus. Was it going to be easy? No. Saul went through horrendous times. Was it going to be a a barrel of laughs? No. But was it going to be worth it? Yes. We probably wouldn't be stood here today talking in this way and worshipping this way if it wasn't for it. So it was worth it. So fasting and feasting on God was how the church waited on hearing God. So if we say, actually, I need to hear from God, let's get into his word. Let's pray. Let's focus on him. Let's worship him. Let's hear what he's got to say. It was how individuals were chosen. It was how new moves of God were launched. Yet we still have people today in the church who have an issue with fasting. Yet fasting and worship and prayer helped the church move forward in its mission. It's 
very clear, helped the church move forward to its mission and helped individuals discover their call. That's what it says here. They were called. So what's your call this morning? I said, what call has God put on your lives? Some of you might go, Johnny, I know. I know my call. Some of you might go, I've not got a clue. Well, can I just say there's a call that he puts on all our lives? Because it says in the Bible he's prepared good works for us all to do. He's prepared things for us to do. There are things with your name on them. But you've got to step up and take them. You've got to step up and take them. Our call is to serve. It's to love. As a church, we have real diversity, don't we? Both in age culture, background, and maybe there are people sat in front of me right now who believe or even know that they have a call on their life, but they are unsure or haven't shared it. Find someone that you trust and share it, because then you can be encouraged in it, yeah? Then you can be encouraged to start stepping into it. It's not just going to happen. If you believe you've got a call in your life to perhaps share God's word, then keeping that to yourself probably not going to happen unless you go and stand outside and do it. But sharing it with somebody and and going through things that will help might get you to a point where actually that calling can be realized. Worshipping, fasting, praying, proclaiming. Who was glorified in the fast? God. Not them. It wasn't about what they did. Look at us as a church, what we're doing. We've gone without, we've prayed, we've worshipped, and look at us now. No. The glory goes to God. The whole point of it is to turn from that to God. There's a lot of repetition over these weeks in this series. I recognize that. But I think sometimes we need that repetition for it to get through. We stop focusing on the past and we feast on who is to come. We feast on who is to come. We as a church are constantly called to point to Jesus. No more, no less. That is our responsibility, to constantly point to Jesus. Not everyone will like that. But that's our mission. That is our goal. Fasting moves forward, but fasting may require going back to places that are hard because the next chapter, we see more fasting and feasting. So chapter 14, Acts chapter 14, verses 21 to 28, says this. They preached the gospel in that city. We'll we'll talk about what that city is in a moment. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Just remember that phrase. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Okay? Remember that. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, all the peas, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. This is the same group of people, if you like. Fasting and following required commitment. It's not about jumping here, there. It's not about taking what you want. It's about fasting, following, and being committed. If I said to you, who would like to go back to April 2020? Any, any takers? 
No. Why? Because we've already been through that. Thank you very much. Don't want to go back through it all over again. We might make it better. We might, we might do things differently, but we'll still have to go through it. Nobody wants to go back there. Or does anybody even want to go through the last week or two again? Anyone? No? No? I don't particularly. Here, Paul is preaching in the city of Derby or Derby. And with the church elders, they fast and pray. And we see that word committed twice. Because fasting and praying requires commitment. But you know, church growth and discipleship also requires commitment. It requires sticking in. They were committed to the grace of God. Fasting and following is not easy. Do you know, statistically, it has been reported that in the UK, only 60% of churchgoers have returned after the last two years. That's nearly half. 60% of churchgoers have returned. Also, 45% of volunteers have stopped volunteering. And actually, it's at a time where we need it most. Would you agree? Yeah? Those are statistics that have been made in the last couple of years. But we as a church are so grateful for people who lead, serve, and do so week in, week out. People who lead connect groups in their homes. People who set up on a Sunday morning. You know, these chairs don't accidentally happen. You know? The doors don't accidentally open. The lighting, the, the sound, the vision, all that doesn't accidentally happen. Those of you who came at half ten this morning, we were a bit late finishing our practice. And actually, it takes time. And we'd practiced on Friday as well. It takes commitment. It's not easy. There can be disagreements and difficulties. But can I just say something? Don't spit your dummy. Don't spit your dummy. Talk it through. You know, it's really tough. As a, as a church leader, it's really hard because I'm not here to please people. <laughs> I'm here to please God. And actually, when people aren't pleased, they make a decision and jump ship. But we are not doing it for, for ourselves. We're doing it for God. We're doing it for God. So I want to encourage you that commitment is at the heart of fasting. You know, people have got used to watching it at home on the telly like it's some glorified reality show. And people have enjoyed that. It hasn't required as much commitment to get up and get out, has it? Or to get involved. You can just turn the telly on and turn it off. Even in the middle, you don't even have to listen. You could log into Facebook and say hello and then clear off. And people will think you're there, but you're not. I don't, I'm not I don't, maybe I'm speaking to somebody who's done that. Ooh, sorry. It's easy to consume, isn't it? Yeah? Easy to consume, take and say, oh, that's good for me. That's good for me. It's not as easy to commit. That is what fasting is about, is commitment. And as a church at the beginning of 2022, I want to encourage you, if you feel you're part of this church family, what are you committing to? What are you committing to? Because you need to be more than just a Sunday morning. It's a family. We need to get in. It calls us to commit and it calls us to listen to God's heart. In this passage, it's really easy to miss that phrase, which is really important. And they returned to Lystra. I said to remember it, to strengthen and encourage. Why did they go back? They did it to encourage people. They did it to strengthen people. And they did it to say, you need to be committed. Stop jumping around from thing to thing. Be committed. But the message was, it's going to be hard. That's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> they went to encourage them. It's going to be tough. You know, it's like, uh, it's like if I go to the gym and he says, right, by the end of this session, you're going to be on your knees and crying. It's not really encouraging me to stay. 
But actually, was it, the, was it the kids from Fame introduction where the woman sat in the chair and said, uh, what did she say? Donnie, you'll remember. There's certain words in there we can't use probably, but go on. This is where it's, that's the, fame hurts or something like that. And this is where, this is where you start paying. That's right, in sweat. Sorry, everybody else. Ignore my aside. Message is, it's got to be hard. That's encouraging them because it sets the example. They're not building somebody up for a false hope that everything is going to be easy. But commitment is worth it. Commitment is worth it. You get to know people, you get to know God. They returned to Lystra. They didn't move forwards physically, but they were growing in maturity spiritually. They didn't move from that difficult place. They stayed in it. So why is it such a big deal that they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch? Two verses before this chapter, we see this. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. That was in Lystra, involving people from Iconium and people from Antioch. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. They went back to places that were tough. They didn't shy away from difficult things. But they were encouraged to commit. What to? The place? No. Commit to God. Commit to who he was. This is what happened. They went back. That's a commitment, isn't it? That's hard. That's difficult. And how did they reaffirm their commitment? By prayer and fasting. That was how they reaffirmed their commitment. There's something in this fasting, isn't there? It moves us forwards and it helps us to grow spiritual muscles. It helps us to be disciplined. It sets apart. It helps discern. It seems to bring clarity and commitment. But it won't be easy. Look back to this time last year. As we finish, there's the words that bring hope. <laughs> Those are you laughing and you're feeling it more than everyone else. No, okay? If I said to you, look back at this time next, last year, not next year, that would be a time-traveling issue, let me ask you these questions for yourself. Have you grown? Have you grown? How? Has there been change? How? Has there been more of God in our lives? Has we, have we started to turn from this to God? Let's fast forward to this time next year. What is going to be important in the next 12 months? Your job, relationships, your skill sets? Or will it be being set apart for God to hear from God? Will it be being committed to keep going and stick at what God has already given us? Or will it be committed to sharing what God is wanting us to step into? Will we look back on this year in 2023 and see commitment and growth? Will we see spiritual muscles and disciplines that we have exercised? Will we see a pattern of fasting from in order to feast on God? If you're still undecided, what's stopping you? What's the thing that you're holding on to? What's the thing that keeps pulling you backwards instead of looking forwards? What's the thing that is in your life that actually is a distraction from feasting on God? Somebody in our house group shared that they were having social media mornings off. Brilliant idea. And they shared what a difference it had already made. 
maybe next week they might share themselves. I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but I want to encourage. And I, yeah? If you're still undecided, what's stopping you? If it, may re, it may mean a return to some difficult places. It may mean sometimes having to go back into a situation that's hard. But I want to encourage you, commit to God in it. If the situation isn't of God, then maybe you need to get out of it. If the situation is something that God already has said, that's not great, then maybe we need to move. It may mean stepping up where we feel weak. Acts chapter 14, verse 27 finishes with this verse. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. That comes after the fasting and feasting is the sharing, is the sharing, is the encouraging. They went and gathered everybody and said, look what God has done. Will we be able to gather and share next year to see how God has thrown open doors of opportunity to us and to others to walk into his kingdom? That's his call on our lives, that we do that. If my people, if you're a Christian this morning, you're his people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, says God, and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's fasting. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement it brings. And I thank you that even when we face difficulties, we can look back and see how we've grown. Father, I pray this morning for your church in Barrow, for your church in this place. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will be determined to grow. Father, show us the things we need to throw off. Show us the things we need to get rid of. Show us the things we need to clean out in order for us to grow, to be satisfied, to be content. Father, help us to stop jumping from thing to thing. And Father, help us to commit, whether that's just to you, to your word, or whether it is to that church that you call us to be a part of. Father God, give us the desire to be strong, to be committed. In Jesus' name, amen.